Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. Ten volumes available at Amazon in paperback and ebook format. And if you're an audio buff, volumes one through nine are available in audiobook at Audible iTunes, and Amazon as well. And now we have a very special treat in store for you this evening. My brother and co-host pulled into my front driveway today. I thought the CIA was coming for me. And Kevin and his lovely wife Karen popped out and are here visiting. And we're sitting side by side for the first time doing our podcast. Kev, how are you? I'm doing great. More than 200 podcast recordings. <laughs> the first one that we've ever done sitting together. <laughs> how dumb is that? <laughs> it's awesome. Hey, we're like a regular news broadcast crew here. And by the way, folks, if you know anyone that does podcasts, doing one while you're sitting together is about a thousand times easier than, <laughs> than doing it over Skype with multiple tracks being recorded, trying to put them back together. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's really cool. So good to see you, Kev. Glad you guys were able to pop up. Uh, it's a pleasant surprise to see you after the last time I saw you was when Paula passed. That's right. That's right. And uh, so it's been about a year. And uh, you're up here for what, a graduation or something? or No, a high school reunion. Okay. High school reunion. Getting ready to feel older than I already feel. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there'll be a Bigfoot there. That's <laughs> uh, awesome, man. That's well, awesome. so let's uh, break into it, man. What do we got into our cryptids in the news and other oddities segment today? Yeah, we're we're going to look at a sighting that was covered in the news, local news in Fresno, California, back in on October the 12th in 2017. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And it's in a place called Avocado Lake. So if you want some avocado toast <laughs> or a little guacamole, uh, you can remember the name of this lake. And uh, it's uh, um, it's actually in, so Avocado Lake isn't in Fresno. It's east of Fresno. And okay. Fresno, California, especially for you international folks out there, it's about halfway between San Jose and Los Angeles. So moving into, I guess it's the high Sierra Mountains there or on the edge of the Sierra Mountains. So pretty rural place, even though it's only a few hours away from 
very populated places, uh-huh. right? So I'm not going to ask you why they call it Avocado Lake. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe the uh, Bigfoot there <laughs> like uh, guacamole or something. But but one of the reasons why I picked this account is it's not very long. That's not why I picked it. But there's a picture associated with it as well. And okay. uh, the it's a still photograph, and I'll put it up on our website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, under episode 204. And uh, it it looks a little bit like something from the Patty film. You know, so you see this uh, brown creature with long long hair on it and it's in the edge of the woods there on avocado lake you can't see its face it's kind of looking into the woods and walking but it looks pretty real you know how close do you think it was photographed i'd say uh probably a couple of hundred feet away that's close it's close you know and it, it does it doesn't look fake of course it is a still photograph so it's of course, it's harder to tell when they're not moving. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I thought it was pretty interesting that there was a photograph associated with it from back then. Mm-hmm. And um, the sighting uh, that was reported back and the guy who's interviewed about the sighting is a guy named Jeffrey Gonzalez, who uh, is a bit of a paranormal expert from that region. Mm-hmm. And uh, he interviewed different people that have seen the Bigfoot. There's one sighting where I'll tell you about a local farmer saw a family of five or six Bigfoot running on his ranch in the middle of the night. Wow. Yeah, and it was like one was clearly much bigger than the others, so kind of looked like the patriarch yeah, yeah, of yeah. the Bigfoot family. And it was running with a pig over its shoulder. Well, we heard that before. I know, I know. All of these hogs around, or farmers, animals, you know. Exactly, exactly. Wow. And and uh, he said that the one that was running with the pig on its shoulder actually tripped um, on an irrigation pipe at the edge of the field and fell down and then got back up and picked the pig up and kept running. That's incredible. And so this was from farmer, a farmer? Yeah, this local farmer reported it. Wow. Yeah. So he was out there, Gonzalez was out there, what, asking questions? Asking following questions. Up yeah, and apparently he does this, and he does like little uh, Bigfoot outings, you know, to go out and look for Bigfoot. Uh-huh. And in one of those outings, he actually saw uh, tracks near his vehicle. Like when they came back from spending a night looking for Bigfoot, mm-hmm. they took some casts of tracks around his vehicle. Wow. Like when they were out in the woods, the Bigfoot came to check out his his yeah. car. And what are you guys doing here? Yeah. Where's my pig? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you got any bacon in that truck? Let me see. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what's interesting, he reports that he other folks, uh, he, he talks about three different groups of people from three different families who don't know each other within a radius of two or three miles, have reported similar sighting of multiple Bigfoots together yeah. in and around this region of Avocado Lake in California. Yeah, and I was talking to somebody about this just the other night, how two, three, four, five miles in the land of animal roaming is nothing. No, no, absolutely. Who knows what the range of some of these creatures are, where they walk, how far they go. No, and we hear about how fast they are, too, like how much ground they can cover. So. Yeah. So. Well, I could probably cover the same amount of ground. <laughs> <laughs> if you were in a 200-horsepower <laughs> four-wheel drive quad. 
<laughs> hey, Bigfoot, you want to race? <laughs> Let me just get this thing started first. <laughs> I'll give you a head start. Go ahead, big fella. <laughs> and that's out by Fresno? Fresno, east of Fresno, Avocado Lake. Put it in Google Maps, you'll see it. And it's, uh, again, about halfway between San Jose and Los Angeles. So south of San Jose, north of Los Angeles, and then inland from Fresno. And Fresno is inland from both of those big cities. Okay. So you're getting into the more rural part of California. And, of course, California is such a huge state. You yeah. Know, it's just And, like, folks, if anybody out there is from that area and you know anything about this, certainly yeah. contact us. Definitely. You know, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com uh, and hit the contact button and uh, give us a shout. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you saw. And then the other thing, Bill, I wanted to talk about is the sad story, right, of the the submarine uh, loss this week, right? The, uh, the uh, I forget the name of it. but The, the Titan. That, yeah, that went down to see the Titanic, yeah. right? Like that. It's such a sad story. Yeah. Um, um, and it's uh, folks exploring, right? Kind of like, you know, you could be out exploring uh, in the woods looking mm -hmm. for a Bigfoot, but down there, you know, many miles underneath the ocean, mm -hmm. just trying to get a glimpse at the Titanic and then something goes wrong and even carrying more gun than you think you're going to need isn't going to help you at the bottom of the ocean. No. And they said, uh, uh, my friend Phil was talking last night, it was a catastrophic failure. Yeah, like an implosion. Just boom. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're, you're wiped out at that point. Ain't nothing you could do about it. Super, super sad. So, you know. It is sad. And, you know, uh, we were discussing last night the book that was written before the sinking of the Titanic, like 30 years prior. Do you remember that book? It was called The Titan? No, no. And it was a fictional story about a giant luxury cruiser boat that hits an iceberg in the North Atlantic oh, and really? sinks. Really? Prior to... And that was written before the Titanic happened. Oh. And now this little boat, submersible, was called The Titan. Oh, I didn't know it was called The Titan. Kind of freaking... Really? Creepy. Ironic. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. But you feel horrible for these people. Oh, yeah. You know, you're not bargaining for that when you go down. But listen, you take your life in your hands. Uh, all of this stuff is still experimental. I don't care what kind of technology. Well, and they said the craft was actually classified as experimental because it never went through all of the testing and things like that to really be a commercial vehicle and take people on. So, oh. yeah, yeah. And somebody was telling me, too, today that um, apparently, and I don't know if this is absolutely true or not, I didn't read it, I heard it, but there was another father and son that was scheduled to go on the trip, and when they saw the craft, you know, they probably have some kind of orientation a month before or something like that, mm -hmm. they backed out. And them giving up their seats allowed the other father and son to go, who tragically died. Oh, my so, God. So really, uh, yeah, I tell you, Rod, right up front, you wouldn't catch me in one of those things under no, any circumstances. No, no, that's you know, when they said it's deeper than like a sperm whale can dive in the ocean. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's too deep to go. Yeah, and then I thought it was tied onto the cable, but they lower it with the cable, and then it, apparently it lets itself free, and then it has some thrusters to get back to the surface. But yeah. I'm thinking to myself, like. What if you had even a minor electrical problem? Nothing can come in. No, you're done. 
You're too deep for anything to come to your rescue. Right. And even if they get there, you're taking a crapshoot as to whether or not they could do anything when they get there. That's what I mean. They've got to be able to pick you up. Grab you. Grab some Take you to the surface. And hope the two of you can get back exactly. up. Exactly. I mean, I'm just like, there's way too much risk associated. No, no. But people do these things, you know? Well, and they pay $250,000 each to go for a ride. Wow. But I, I still feel badly for them. And then it's also, you know, if we talk about the creepiness, right? Because this is a, a, a podcast that's generally full of creepiness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're going down to this mass grave site. Yeah. Right, which is a little spooky in itself. Yeah. Right, like you're basically a, invading a cemetery. Exactly, like you know, with big searchlights and stuff like that. So yeah. that's that's not a great thing either. You yeah, know? peeling back the darkness mm. with these bright halogen bulbs or whatever they're using. You know, yeah, of a mass grave. Oh my God! Well, uh, so I hate to be a downer, but I had to mention it because it's. You know, in in the forefront of my mind, just reading about it all week and praying for them to get rescued, and then hearing you know these submarine sensors down there on the bottom of the ocean heard this uh, implosion right around the time apparently that the submarine disappeared, and now they're saying that's what happened. You know, it imploded. And that. apparently, uh, a navy vessel, right, with their uh, remote, uh... yeah, some ro- robotic sub. I'm not. I don't know if it was Navy or Canadian Navy. Or unmanned, though. Yeah, unmanned, absolutely unmanned. Yeah, went, went down, down and down and saw a debris field. They saw the nose cone and the tail cone that they said was identifiable to the um, craft. So, terrible. well, our thoughts and prayers go out to those people. But now, <laughs> I've got something really interesting here, and this is an out of the box. Uh, like they all are, really. But this is a really strange uh, sighting of Bigfoot. Uh, and uh, I was going to say something here. If this is out of one of my books, of course. But uh, this encounter or uh, sighting revolves around Curtis Delfino's birthday gift. And uh, this is what he had to share about his sighting. And this is coming from Curtis. As I told you, Bill, this sighting occurred under the most unusual of circumstances imaginable, in my opinion. It was July of 2005 that my wife had surprised me with a balloon ride as part of my birthday gift. I wasn't quite sure how I felt about it when I opened the envelope and saw what it was. But what else was I going to say except thank you? (laughs) I should tell you that I and heights don't go together so well, which is something that my new bride was not exactly aware of at the time. For three weeks... I was biting my nails as I waited for the day of the ride to arrive. It was a Tuesday morning that we made our way over to a large field in the countryside where the balloonist team was waiting for us. The balloon was massive in its dimensions, and I have to tell you that standing alongside of it was actually quite impressive. The owner-operator, whose name was Bob, told us that its panels consisted of every color in the rainbow, and my God, it was spectacular. The day was somewhat cloudy, 
but Bob told us that the conditions were perfect as far as flying a balloon goes. While my wife was chatting it up with one of the ground crew, I stepped aside and asked Bob if it would be all right to limit our height as we flew. He just laughed and said, when we're at a good level for you, just give me a wink and I'll know what you mean. So my wife and I and four other people whom we had just met climbed into the gondola as the ropes were let go and we began our flight. After about the first 15 minutes or so, I was beginning to calm down a little, trying to do some deep breathing without letting anybody else know what I was doing. This was actually quite funny in that about 20 minutes later, I was helping to calm down a woman who was herself getting a little anxious. We were now going over many farm fields that were bordered by woodlands, and after a while, we approached an area that was mostly woods. The pilot, Bob, had been holding the balloon at about 500 feet in altitude for my sake, and nobody had complained or said anything about it whatsoever. I was actually starting to enjoy myself. As we now found ourselves going over what Bob said was a hill, he said that he was going to have a little fun and bring us down to treetop level. The balloon was actually kind of neat to see in operation. I think there were flaps that could let hot air out, allowing it to descend, and then, of course, when he wanted to gain altitude, he just turned the burner on to create more hot air within the balloon. We had descended to a level where we were just barely skimming over the top of the trees. Then suddenly we brushed them and everyone in the balloon started to cheer and laugh. We were making such a racket that you would think we had won the lottery, but it was all in good fun. Bob then allowed the balloon to gain a little more altitude and then once again he allowed the balloon to descend back down to treetop level. At this point, we were almost to the edge of the hill's bottom, which is also close to where this tract of woods ended. Now, where this woods ended abutted with what I would call either a wheat field or a field that was resting in between crops with something tall growing in it. Bob once again lowered the balloon, scraping the trees, and we all erupted once again in cheers and laughter. Suddenly, one of the ladies said, Oh my God, will you look at that? I was actually looking at what she saw when she said what she did. At this point, we were only maybe 70 or 80 feet off the ground, having just brushed the trees, and we couldn't have had a better viewpoint. A tremendous Bigfoot had come bursting out of the forest perimeter apparently having been frightened by the balloon hitting the trees and our screaming. He had emerged running out into the field, or should I say walking very fast, which would have been running for you and me. He was moving at an angle toward our right-hand side. <coughs> Excuse me. And we had no way of steering the balloon to follow him. As the creature was walking, he turned to look at us up and over his left-hand shoulder. Then he hit the ground galloping away on all fours like a greyhound in a race.
The only time I ever saw an animal move anything like that was at the Belmont Stakes horse race. In my opinion, he was actually faster than a horse. The sad thing was that he had run across the field into a narrow band of trees that was bordering it. Eventually, he would have to come out and expose himself again. However, since we were drifting in a balloon, we'd not be there to see him. One of the ladies in the balloon said she thought she got a good photograph of it running away. She actually forwarded it to my wife at a later date, and quite frankly, it wasn't very good at all. That actually brings up another funny point relative to Bigfoot sightings. Everybody in that gondola had a camera. And in the heat and excitement of the moment, only one woman squeezed off a shot, and that was too late. I can tell you this much from experience, having been through this now myself. The utter shock and excitement when something like this occurs is beyond description. I would compare it to awaking from a nightmare, when for a few moments you are just trying to clear your mind and gather your thoughts. This was the same in that you momentarily can't think straight and you temporarily lose your decision-making abilities. At any rate, when this creature came out of the woods, it was just to the right-hand side of where I had been looking. I only had to shift my eyes and I was looking directly at it. It was huge and bulky. I could see its muscles moving below the fur. You know how a weightlifter can flex their pectorals and move them in a kind of dance, for lack of a better word. With every movement that this creature made, its muscles were banging around in its body, and it was really remarkable to see firsthand. As it turned its head over its shoulder to look at the balloon briefly before dropping to all fours, I actually believe it looked right at me. Excuse me. I could see that its face was dark gray and had black lines in it. Its fur was slightly darker than, say, a blonde grizzly bear, if you've ever seen one. It had relatively long and straight hair that, almost as crazy as it sounds, looked like it was brushed. It appeared to be fairly clean and actually, all things considered, quite a beautiful thing to behold. As you could imagine, nobody cared about what the balloon was doing or not doing anymore. Pardon me, folks. I'm just getting over a cold. And we were absolutely giddy about what we had just collectively seen. To date, this is the absolute craziest thing that has ever happened to me in my life. And I thought that I would share it with you. What do you make of that, Kev? So were they telling the guy flying the balloon? Okay, up, 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 <laughs> up, up. We just woke up this Bigfoot and he came out of the woods. And although he's quite a handsome blonde, Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of that guy in the TV commercials with the long blonde hair. What's his name? Fabio. Or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I'm not thinking the Bigfoot looks like Fabio. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, it's kind of interesting. You know, when I lived out in eastern Washington, 
Um, we would have hot air balloons kind of float over the house in the Spokane Valley on a regular basis in the summertime. And it's the most interesting thing because you don't see them, you know, like I'd be out weeding in the garden or something like that. And then I would hear voices, different voices than I normally hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd hear voices while I was out there by myself. And I'd be like, what the heck? Like, how, how could I be hearing these voices? But they'd be right over my head and in a hot air balloon floating by floating in silence by in silence you know no sound unless they would hit the burner right and you hear the roar you know of the, the gas burner on yeah, the balloon yeah, yeah. but it was the most interesting thing and i would imagine you know perhaps for the bigfoot you know there in the forest it's a little confusing right because you hear this thing coming along you hear all of this Leo laughter and them cheering, but there's no noise on the ground, right? Like, and you're not seeing anything. No, you're not seeing anything, and you're, you know, the creature you would think is, you know, very much uh, in tune with the crackling of twigs, the mm -hmm. the rustling of the brush, and you're not hearing any of that. You're mm -hmm. just hearing these voices, and and then you hear this thing scraping the treetops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you'll that probably got its attention. Like, well, look. Look up and be like, what the heck? You yeah. Know, what is that thing? And then finally it just said, I'm busting out of here. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, maybe it had its family back in the woods too, you know, so it came out to be like, hey, what's going on out here? You know, who yeah. knows? Yeah, we always think of them as one, but they don't have to be. Right? No, no, not at all. And you just read that account from Fresno. Exactly. Where the farmer said he saw five walking right. across and the field. Right, was night. much bigger and carrying the pig. Like carrying the patriarch, patriarch of <laughs> He didn't mention the uh, very clean and handsome blonde hair, though. Yeah, well, clean and, <laughs> what'd she say, like dirty like blonde? Brushed hair. Brushed. Yeah, yeah. Just came from the spa. You know. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have an appointment at five. Hello. Your name, sir? <laughs> How do you spell that? Uh, <laughs> uh, by the way, folks, I have to apologize. I was actually sick for about 10 days. And uh, my brother was very busy at the time. So just... Between the two of us, we didn't launch a podcast, what, last weekend? Last weekend, yeah. We yeah. missed a week. We got another challenging week coming up, but we'll try to we'll try to get something <laughs> done. Um, it's just that time of the year, you know, and then if you get sick during that time of the year, then yeah. it's even more challenging. Yeah, I was pretty much fit to be tied. I wasn't in the yeah. mood. I'm still with the post-nasal drip and the coughing periodically, but I'm much, much better. Yeah, I was I was up in Canada uh, in Montreal. I got a treat to go to the Formula One race up there, and so if I would have been recording there, you would have heard, which wouldn't have, wouldn't have been too good for a big point. I didn't see any creatures though. I was looking. No creatures, except for the drivers. The yeah, they were you know, they were creatures of a sort. Yeah, so that's it, man. A balloonist encounter. That's the first one we've had, right? We've been sweet. in a helicopter and an airplane, but I think this is the first one we've covered in a balloon. Well, aerial, right? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about covering a lot of ground, quiet, stealthy. Yeah, so super quiet. Surprise attack. Yep. You know, just and, floating along. And a daytime sighting again. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, that sighting I was talking about, uh, I don't think I mentioned it, Avocado Lake, the photograph is in the daytime as well. So, yeah. you know, it's clearly like not a bear. 
Right. I mean, I don't know if it's a hoaxer or something because it's hard to tell in photograph, but it wasn't a Bay Area or, you know. Yeah, and I stand my ground that most sightings happen during daylight hours. Oh, yeah. yeah. And people talk about, oh, the night, they're nocturnal. Where do you get that from? No, we don't. I, I, don't I don't understand that, you know, the purported experts, you know. Oh, yeah. no, no, they're a nocturnal animal. They, I think it makes a scarier television show if you walk around in the dark. With flashlights. Flashlights shining on your face. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like walking the, around on horseback in Montana during the daytime, it's not as frightening. It's the Blair Witch of Bigfoot hunting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when the Bigfoot shows up in the camera with the hair over its eyes and then flips it up and goes, ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of like me when I wake up awesome, in the morning. Awesome. Thing. Uh, oh, it's Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing, same Sorry, thing. Sorry, I'd like a cup of coffee. Have a piece of fresh hog. <laughs> Don't be upset, it's fresh. <laughs> Uncooked, but fresh. <laughs> we don't have fire here. So. Uh, <laughs> See, with all this long fur, there's no fun. <laughs> we're good sports, no funners. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Kev, what do we have in our... Um, Listener mail. Listener mail. We got some good listener mail this week. So our first one comes in from James in Dallas. Uh-huh. And the subject is thank you. James writes, hi, Bill and Kevin. This is James in Dallas, the aviation guy. Uh-huh. Bill, I don't know if you remember me. We spoke within the last two months or so about my UFO encounter in Van Etten, New York. Yes, All right. As I told you, Bill, I never told anyone about my encounter other than y'all and my wife and kids. Mm -hmm. I want to say thank you so very much. You blessed me hearing what I had to say. Since we've spoken, after decades of high anxiety, I am off my anxiety medication. You help me in ways, Bill, that you may not realize. What you and Kevin do is amazing. God bless you, my brothers. Readers, please listen. And if you see something, say something. Mm -hmm. It may help you as it did help me. Mm -hmm. And he writes, Kevin, the follow-up you did on the melon heads was truly awesome. You all (laughs) cracked me up when you said I was talking about you or a rock and roll band. (laughs) Anyways, keep up the excellent work. I binge binge listen to every episode a couple of times. And trust me, Bill, as you know, I definitely carry more gun than I think I'm going to need. That's right. Actually, a couple of them. That's right. (laughs) Much love, my brothers, and God bless you both and all the readers out there. I will be chiming in time to time. And yes, Bill, I am partaking in your books, James. (laughs) Yeah, I spoke to James, and James had an incredible UFO encounter uh, right over the road. He was driving in a pickup truck, and like a typical knucklehead, he stopped and walked <laughs> under the UFO. And dropped his keys. You know, uh, couldn't find his keys. Now, people would say, how do you do that? You know, I don't know how you do that. But it happens again and again and again with curiosity kills the cat, right? Kills the cat. Uh, even, even with nine lives, the cat's dead. Yeah, and uh, he had an incredible encounter. But what James didn't know when he was talking to me that... We shared the same symptoms after the encounter. Ooh. And uh, 
he didn't know that of me until I told him. And then he said, that's exactly what happened to me. Mm. So it kind of freed him up. Very he was having, I guess, this anxiety about what he had endured and wondering the how and the why. And then he realizes all of a sudden I'm not alone. Very cool. So it was awesome, James. Awesome. Good to talk to you. And uh, obviously it was some benefit to him as it was to me. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Very good. Glad we could help, James, and glad you're a listener, and thanks for writing in. All right, so our next email comes from Lee, and Lee spelled like a lady, L-E-I-G-H, I think so. And uh, she's from Minnesota, and she spells it that way. Minnesota. Yes. <laughs> Is that like ordering a small Coke? Yes, the Minnesota. <laughs> Uh, and she, the subject is, is this a yaoi? And she says, hi, Kevin. Oh, you too, Bill. Oh, thanks. See, that's, you wonder why I picked this one. <laughs> <laughs> this video popped up on my YouTube feed. Since the second creature was purported to be an Australian yaoi, I thought I better send it to Kevin because I know how he feels about the yaoi. <laughs> but she says, this is the funniest part, uh, although the narrator pronounced it as yo-we. And she said, yo-we. Yo-we. <laughs> and she says, kind of like Stallone saying, yo, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, that is awesome. <laughs> she said, I miss not getting a podcast to listen to this past weekend. Sorry, Lee, we just covered that. <laughs> but I know you guys have lives outside the podcast, so that's okay. Although I'm expecting two podcasts next week. <laughs> Keep squatching, guys. Lee from Minnesota or Small Coke. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. You know? That's awesome. It's awesome. It's good to uh, have some of the listeners chime in with a couple of yucks themselves. You know? 100%. 100%. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting. All right. And our next one comes from Judy. And Judy is down in Georgia. Uh -huh. And she says, hope you guys are both well. Just came across a podcast called Dixie Cryptid. Yes. Hosted by Cameron Buckner. He's an interesting and talented guy who does much the same work as the both of you. And by that, I mean he's curious about all the strangeness just like the rest of us. Uh -huh. I'd invite you to check him out and let me know what you think. As an aside, he's a fellow Southerner whose accent is like honeysuckle butter. Woo! Oh, that mercy. <laughs> so it's not like, yo, we. <laughs> yo, Adrian. Now, look, I, I'm not that familiar with the honeysuckle butter. I haven't had any honeysuckle butter. That's what I'm that. talking about. I mean, if you said you were sweet as a fresh-made biscuit, <laughs> then a, then a hot buttered corn muffin. Well, yeah, man. Maybe with some jalapenos. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about this. I mean, a sweet buttermilk biscuit. Oh, oh. I'm all good. All right, well, we got one more here, and uh, I am going to kick myself for reading this. Uh, oh, here we go. Because it is loaded with the hardest pronunciation challenges I've ever seen. All right. But it comes from Peter, and he's from, as he says, the land of the long white cloud. You know where that is? <laughs> that sounds like the boy's hitting the pipe. <laughs> he might be. 
Yeah, and the lone white cloud is New Zealand. Oh, okay. And uh, so he's down there in the Yowie land. And uh, he says, it's a pleasure listening to you both. The brotherly love. Yeah, I have to interrupt you. Yeah. I said to him, hey, Peter, is New Zealand part of Canada? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Pete. <laughs> I can't resist. <laughs> It's a pleasure listening to you both. The yeah. brotherly love you have for one another seeps through each episode. KJ, I admire your lack of envy at having such a famous, glamorous author for a brother. <laughs> <laughs> he says, you're basically the Prince Harry of the podcast. <laughs> and thank you for referring to me as glamorous, you little devil. <laughs> Prince Harry of the podcast world. I like that. You like that? Uh, you know, maybe. <laughs> I'm not going to sue the family. <laughs> and, marry, and marry a crazy woman. Uh-oh, that was my outside voice. She says, WJ, I have, he says, WJ, I've yet to buy or read your books, but I aim to change that this year. It's good. Yeah. You know, it's good to have goals. Thanks, Taiwan. <laughs> so here we go into the hard part of the story. Yeah. I thought you'd like to hear some stories from Aotearoa. Don't ask me to say that again. Yeah. It's New Zealand. It's been my adopted home for over a decade. Originally, I'm from the same part of the world as Spring Hill Jack. Woo! Yeah, north of London. That's UK. <laughs> Just like our neighbors from over the ditch with the Yowie. So over the ditch is Australia from New Zealand. Over the ditch. <laughs> New Zealand has the Mohau Man. All together now. Mohau. <laughs> Doesn't quite work, does it? <laughs> New Zealand is about the size of the UK, but with only 5 million inhabitants. I think he means people, because I think there's about 55 million sheep. <laughs> Most of these people live in the major cities, which leaves large areas of native bush completely untouched by man. Mohau man is said to be based in the Coromandel Peninsula, described as... Terrible creatures, half man and half animal, with a very aggressive temperament. They were only too happy to massacre and eat anyone that strayed into their domain. The Maori, right, these are the, the uh, indigenous folks, warned the first Western settlers not to venture to that not to venture to that peninsula, stating the new arrivals stating to the new arrivals that these giant hairy men could defeat our fiercest warriors. Wow. Pretty creepy, right, down there in New Zealand. Yeah, well, I was just thinking, you know, terrible creature, half man, half woman. Aggressive half woman, woman. Half man, half beast. Oh, half man, half beast sounds like marriage material. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, now as firearms are banned over here in New Zealand... Yeah. When I go into the woods, I always take more podcasts than I'm ever going to need. <laughs> Love from the colonies, Pete. Now, Pete, remember, they're only banned if they know you got them. <laughs> <laughs> but, Pete, it's good to hear from a listener down in New Zealand, a really cool place. And uh, I've been there a few times. 
And New Zealand, it's funny, funny story about New Zealand, uh, the place over the ditch from uh, Australia. What is the ditch? The well, ditch is the water between the two places. Yeah, but what is the water there? That's uh Oh, it's I don't know the, <laughs> the New Zealand ditch. Sea or something. Yeah, I don't know. New Zealand Sea. I don't know what it is. Right up the coast of Canada by the Pacific Ocean, I guess. No, <laughs> not, not Canada, not Canada. But it's funny, uh, they say uh well, it's true that the the Scottish settled uh, New Zealand, right? The British settled Australia, and of course it became a, a penal colony, like for all the prisoners of yeah. the UK were sent there. And then the Scottish settled New Zealand, and the joke is that the Scottish found a place that had worse weather than Scotland, which is New Zealand. <laughs> and I've been there in the one day where it was like thunder and lightning and snowing and sunny. Like in the same day. In one day. One day, yeah. Great. Sounds like a place you'd like. You don't like the weather? Just wait a few minutes. While you're out tending your sheep in the field. Exactly. (laughs) Wondering where all your neighbors are that that don't actually live there. (laughs) That's too much. Well, folks, good talking to you. Sorry about this past weekend missing uh, out with the podcast. But like I said, I was really under the weather. But they got a bonus episode. And by bonus, I don't mean more. I mean bonus because for the first time in over 200 episodes, we're sitting together recording together. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) So shut your face. (laughs) But folks, thanks for listening. Thanks for those five-star reviews. Keep them coming. Um, As five-star reviews are really the only way we have of attracting new listeners. And by attracting new listeners, we're able to try to stay on a more regular schedule. I know that's that doesn't make sense after we just missed a week, but we were we were going really well there. So give us some five-star reviews, please. That's right. And remember, folks, if you should be out east of Fresno in the woods or tending the sheep in New Zealand, remember this. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.